Hello, everyone. I'm John Manning, and welcome to another edition of A Life in Construction. Joining me today is Jeannie Asquith, PG. She's the owner of Third Rock Testing Facility in East Aurora, New York. Hi, Jeannie. Can you tell Hi. us a little about yourself and your business, please? Hi, John. Thanks Hi. for coming to our facility. Yeah, awesome. So we can have a chat. Um, yeah. So this is Third Rock LLC. We've been in business since 2000. Okay. And we test soil rock material materials, um, mainly compaction testing, permeability testing, um, tensile testing, okay. compression. Cool. So, yeah, we have quite a list of tests that we do. So, before we go a little bit further, what's the PG stand for? Professional geologist. Really? Yeah. That's impressive. I'd never seen yeah. that term before, right? Yep. So, where did you go to school for that? Alfred University. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And what do they what do they mainly do, geologists like that? What's their main Geologists do actually a lot. So we can do hydrogeologic investigations, any kind of geologic investigation, including bedrock soil, any surface, um, earth type things. We Why can, is that important? So, uh, for example, right now we're focusing a lot on geologic investigations at farms where they're building manure tanks. Okay. And they have to make sure that there's no seismic issues oh. or the soil is not too soft to build on or they have they may have bedrock that's susceptible to karst which would be like sinkholes. Um they yeah. can't groundwater is an issue, surface water. So you have to make sure that the tank is okay to build in, in a certain location so that gotcha. it wouldn't impact the environment. So like I know here locally, like Amherst has huge soil issues out there, right? Yeah. And it's the mud though. Yeah. It, so the soil there, the deep soil there, it's, well, it's not real deep. It's actually foundation level. It's so wet and so clayey that it's the consistency of peanut butter. So when they build the homes there, and in Amherst, a lot of homes have a heavy front. So you have a, the front of your house has a lot of the heavy building stone, you know, where they put the fancy building stone on it. But then the back is just siding. So it creates a differential weight issue. Yeah. And you have dif differential settlement, which causes a very, very and, large problems. And I would, I would imagine like the moisture content or a freeze thaw cycle plays a big effect in that as well, right? From it swelling yeah. and, and not going back. I mean, it's actually yeah. pushing the foundation walls in and cracking them. Yes. Typically if they're brick, especially if they're... Some, yeah. You know. So, well, and out there, the problem too is they've put in so much drainage. Mm -hmm. So they have drainage swales that are very deep. And the so that has created the water content to actually drop. So it's more of a, mm. a shrink issue because they've lowered the, the water content of the soil you know you don't even realize the power of that right uh, from the the stresses and the strains that this builds up on a foundation wall right it's got to be oh, incredible yeah. to i know years ago they didn't put you know they didn't pour a solid once so it's just a brick 
but now they're they're reinforcing it with rebar and all right. kinds of other artificial right. things, right? So yeah. So in addition to that, they did not. People didn't watch contractors very well back in the day, right. and they did, weren't using a lot of rebar, right? So that has also created. Has the town of Amherst or any local area, you know, contracted you to come out and do an investigation on the, some type of forensic investigation on that? No, there's companies that do that. Okay. We we mainly work for the. Um, either the new builds or the ones that are requiring an addition or, but we've heard some stories of oh, yeah. the um, six inch or four inch gas main shearing. Wow. And, yeah. That's not good. No. It Big is, cracks. It's hard Big for, cracks. Oh, in the by basement. the way, uh, it's hard for those people to sell those houses when they see that too. I know I did a couple jobs years ago back then. We reinforced the walls with carbon fiber. Yeah. You know, that's a, it was designed for seismic activity and mm-hmm. from the Japanese and it, and it's working pretty well from the couple jobs I did out there. But mm. so that brings us to our topic today, Jeannie, third party testing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that an accurate comment? Third party testing? Yeah. So there's actually people, I mean, some of the DOTs I think require it and you probably know that, yeah. but um, yeah. So third party testing is important because there's no conflict of interest, or at least there shouldn't be a conflict of interest. Yeah, so I kind of looked it up yeah. today, and I, let me just read you this little thing that I read. And I want to, I would like to hear you what you say about it. Third-party testing is when a manufacturing company sends its product to an outside, unbiased lab for testing to see if it meets the standards of the company and to ensure that what is on the data sheet or on a whatever, right, actually accurate or what it can do. Is that pretty Pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah, that's comment. that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, so. it's it is mandatory in a lot of things, and it's great. Uh, you know, we've done third party testing with you before mm-hmm. on some of our products, and it's it really validates the product, right? Yeah. So, tell us about some of the testing you do for the construction industry in general. Yeah. So we do testing on landfills, roadways. Why would you do landfill? Landfill testing, it's actually pretty interesting. So when they build a new facility, a new landfill, they put on the bottom of the landfill, they put a clay liner and other types of liner that are low permeability. So they're trying to make it so the leachate doesn't go into the groundwater or into the environment. And the... By putting a clay basin? Yep. By putting the clay in. It's called a liner. And then typically the landfills now are designed where they have a clay liner and a synthetic liner. Mm. So HDPE liner. So it's actually called a double liner. Mm-hmm. And some of the landfills even have a system where yep. they have a double liner, a drainage layer, and then another double liner. So landfills <clears throat> required in New York state landfills are test. Those liners are tested for a multiple slew of tests that we run. So, um, grain size analysis, compaction, permeability, water content. And then um, that actually, what that's doing is it's saying the soil will work as a low permeability liner. So we're saying, okay, this yeah. pile of soil that you have built up here, the source is suitable for a clay liner material in New York State. Is there a name of that clay? I'm sure there's probably a special name for the clay that they use, right? Is it's, it is it a local clay or do they have to like bring that in? 
Well, somewhere yeah. special. It's usually they use a local source because it would be very expensive. Yeah. And we're fortunate in New York where we have a lot of local clay because okay. of the glaciers deposited nice material. I know <laughs> my, my brother-in-law built his pond in his backyard. He put a clay liner in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so it would hold the water in. Same principle. Right. Right. So nothing mm-hmm. can permeate through it. Yep. And, right. Because I, I would imagine on the landfill, there's just issues of runoff and chemical and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, so landfills are pretty interesting because they not only test the low perm materials, but they test the drainage layers, which if the leachate gets through the liner, through the first liner, it will get into the drainage layer, layer and that'll go into a manhole, and then they can see that they have a leak. Oh. So they can test and figure out where the leak is. What's the definition of leach- leaching? Leachate? Yeah. Leachate is the liquid that forms from garbage. Oh, okay, cool. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how many years have you been doing this? And what got you involved in this business? Yeah, so I, when I graduated, or well, when, when I was still actually in college, mm-hmm. I was saying to myself, I'm not really sure what a geologist like does in yeah, work, I'm, right? Just wake up one day and go, I think I'll be a geologist. <laughs> right. I mean, I like to be outside, and that was sure. the main. And I loved doing, you know, being in the woods and looking at yeah. different things. Yeah. But um, I asked my professor, I said, hey, is there any way you can get me a summer job in this? So I, my first job was actually working at a landfill down in Allegheny County. Oh, okay. And I did a bunch of testing there. So I started learning all the lab testing. And then after that, I... Worked for a driller for a short period of time and then um, started working for a laboratory in Orchard Park that did all this testing. Mm-hmm. And then 2000 formed Third Rock with, nice. with another worker. So. so I have some more questions about that. Why is it important to test materials? Well, just in the case we were speaking about the landfills, you want to make sure that the materials that you're using are going to be appropriate for the construction that you're working on. So, you want, like if you're building a road, you want to make sure that it won't be too soft. Gotcha. So, you know, you'll have ruts and potholes and, and all that. And you want to make sure, for example, in a landfill, you have the clay that would hold back the leachate. Um, there's just tons of examples yeah so um is there like a third party standard you have to go by or is that just it's every every job's different yeah every job is different i mean quite often we have to follow specifications oh okay yeah so back to the landfill example the dec has requirements for the maximum permeability minimum permeability whatever Mm mm-hmm material you're testing so you have to meet those requirements so standards um i imagine there's probably a whole book that i'm not even familiar with but i know when you do stuff for us it's like to astm standards right so astm has volumes of standards (laughs) yeah yeah Many, many standards. Yeah. They write yeah. the book on everything almost, don't they? Yes. Is that primarily the most testing you do to is ASTM? Yes. Yep. Most, and I mostly ask clients, what ASTM standard would you like us to follow? Because it gives us a guide on how to do a test. Right. And, so, and, and it's also 
providing a standard for, you know, to compare your results to other labs or. Um, so ASTM, if am I correct when I say American Society for Testing Materials? Yep. Is that it? Is yeah, that that's it? so they now they're ASTM International, but oh. yeah, that was their old acronym. Mm-hmm. So I guess being a third party company for testing materials, um, what is your biggest hang up as far as issues as far from a testing standpoint or from a time standpoint? What, what are your pain points do you typically see in the industry from your standpoint? I think it's, um, it's hard to, uh, for people to understand what we do. It, it really is. And the requirements. Yeah. No, this is a great, I'm, yeah. I love this podcast yeah. right now. Yeah. Because I'm going to get a lot out of this. And I think a lot of people are and say, wow, there's people that really just do this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So most people don't really understand what goes into the testing, mm-hmm. you know, the preparation of the testing, the length of time, the training, right. the cost of the equipment, the calibrations Ooh. of the equipment. I mean, so we're credited by ashto and we're required we're required to calibrate everything we joke about it and say even our broom is calibrated but we calibrate everything that's that's what i was going to ask you how often do you have to calibrate your own equipment and like your instra machine and your other testing pieces of equipment How, how often do you have to have that validated yeah so those yeah like that machine there we calibrate Every year, once a year, those get calibrated, and they calibrate the speed, um, right? The the load, right? Yeah, and well, we're gonna we're gonna do a little demo back there, hopefully, of yeah. that as well. So yep. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So everybody gets gets to understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, do you have an, a, an official stamp for PG? Well, for, for like, if you if somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, Jeannie, I." Uh, I need this tested from a third party is how do I get this validated? Is there a, a certain stamp that you stamp on that validation? Not, is there a certain? No, we don't have that. I okay. mean, if you, I think if you sign as a professional, like an engineer, a professional then, engineer would have a stamp or something like that. Right. right. I'm just, I'm kind of mm-hmm. thinking like that. Yeah. That's not the case though. Not like a third party. Okay. I mean, you can say that this is, you know, you can have a statement on your reports that would indicate that you're, Third party and so you, you used the word earlier that I love, and I just want to throw it back at you. Why is third party accreditation important? The word accreditation, I love that word. Why is that important? Yeah, so our accreditation requires us to pretty much do every kind of training on ourselves and on our employees. We have to calibrate our equipment to rigid standards. Mm-hmm. Our reports have to be a certain way. Our equipment has to be all, again, calibrated, maintained. They require maintenance. Um, you have, yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to have a quality manual, sure. which includes all of the the things that you have to do. And what there's what the ultimate goal there is to have a quality system. So if you have the correct system in place, you're providing accurate, reliable results do you ever find yourself um being a third-party testing facility do you have to do some type of auditing 
do you have uh, third parties come in and do a, uh, an outside audit, or is that something that may be required from a federal or state standpoint? Yeah, our ASHO inspection, they come in and watch us do our testing. And they go through all of our records. Mm-hmm. And we do proficiency testing. So they send us soil that they know the answers. Oh. And then we test the soil. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. And you're huh? compared to, I think there, there's quite a few labs that do. So you're around, all compared. Around here? No, that's um, nationwide. Oh. Are there? Do you have a lot of competitors locally around here, or are you like? Because no, I've never heard of. there's a few. Yeah, yeah. There's a handful. I mean, we all kind of, I think, do things that are a little different from each other. So everybody is good at you know certain things and have strengths that the other ones don't have, or offer testing that the other ones don't provide. So yeah. So the following these standards, whatever the standard may be, whether it's ASTM or a federal or a spec that you said. These tests could take anywhere from maybe one hour to six months, two years, right? Yeah, there's tests. Like, what kind of different tests are going to go real quick? And then there might be another test, like I know UV testing might take months. Months, yeah. Yeah, we do pH testing can be as short as an hour, where um, permeability testing, if you're using certain... Other permeants than water, and you want to look at the long term, you can be months. UV testing is months. So I'm going to sound dumb here, but you, uh, what was the word, the, the testing you just said you did? The permeability no, testing the other with one the permeant? No, no, no. PH? PH, 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 yeah. PH. I was like, how did they come up with seven as neutral? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who just says, okay, seven, that's neutral. One to 14, we're using seven. <laughs> who came up with that? <laughs> I don't know. Right? I don't know. They just well, yeah, there's right funny stories there. about that. I, I heard a story when I was taking my health and safety training, and they said they were at a town meeting, and the, some, the, one of the town persons stood up and said, why are we bothering to get the pH to seven? Why don't we get it to one? <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> but I learned my lesson on that when I said something in a meeting one time and I was sitting with the chemist and they said, you're an idiot. <laughs> okay. I learned my lesson that day, right? Chemist. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so what do you find most challenging from a project standpoint and testing standpoint? Is it is it is it time? Is it uh, resources? Is it special tooling or equipment? I mean, none of the. I mean, an instrument machine's got to be. I don't. I couldn't even imagine. They're probably twenty, thirty thousand bucks, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Easy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, but you got a great facility yeah, here. So the expense. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the place. It it depends on the test. It's everywhere, you know. Yeah. It depends. Sometimes it's the expense. Sometimes yep. we don't have the equipment. And then do we buy it or do we sub it out? Sometimes it's you, so, the time. Yeah. Um, I always like, like to ask this question as well is from a safety standpoint, what's your safety culture here? Do you guys do you spend a lot of time on safety here as far as especially working with special equipment like that? Well, we would put safety glasses on. Yeah. Um, and everyone wears steel toe boots. Sure. But, you know, gloves, the normal. 
Yeah, because you're mixing a lot of chemicals, right? Well, we don't really handle many chemicals. You don't? No. Okay. We, we are mainly clean. <laughs> we have very dusty conditions, but and we'll wear dust masks if we're doing things that yeah. are real dusty, but mostly we don't we don't accept hazardous materials or contaminated materials, so we don't really have that issue. So you don't get asked to ever handle any of that stuff? Or? Well, we get asked, but yeah. we're not really student to handle it. Yeah, I could see yeah. why that would be an issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And how many years have you said you've been here? 22. Wow. wow. Yeah. So business is good. Business is good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, for those of you who want to look this up, we'll be on YouTube showing these videos and talking about some of the test methods we went through and some of the equipment and machinery we went through uh, that's typically used every day for a life in construction. Jeannie, I'd like to thank you for your time today and for educating us on soil and testing and ASTM and all that other good stuff that goes along with it in your world. That's your world, right? Yes, that's our world. Well, thanks, John. Yeah, no, it's been really, really cool. Uh, So I want to say thank you to our listeners to listening to another episode of A Life in Construction. I'm John Manning, your host. Have a good day and a safe day.